Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Did you get the thing? Yes, I got the thing. Feed the dog? Yes, I fed the dog. Did you download the episode? Yes, I downloaded the episode. What's up with the questions? Can we just go, please? Listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Permit me here and now to promise as a good comrade and a fellow artist that I will not report any of this, whatever it is, to the police.
Welcome to Abandoned Albums, the documentary podcast. Each week, our intrepid group of researchers and archivists sift through the album crates of the world, finding those records that may have been lost over time. Our team also seeks out up-and-coming artists with work we feel you should know about. When we're lucky enough, the artists swing by Thunderlove Studio to chat with our hosts, Keith R. Higgins and Jeff Calhoun, about those albums and their careers as a whole. Sit back, relax, and thank you for joining us. There's gonna come a time when the clock stops on a time and you Ryan Allen, a multifaceted musician from Detroit, Michigan, has been an active and influential figure in the music scene since the early 1990s. Allen has been a part of too many groups to mention, but here's a sampling. Destroy This Place, Friendly Foes, and Thunderbirds are now. Far from an exhaustive list, each of these bands showcase different facets of Allen's musical prowess and interests, ranging from indie and punk to hardcore and alternative rock. In 2011, Allen launched Ryan Allen and His Extra Arms. What began as a solo project has evolved into a full-fledged band, now simply known as Extra Arms. This project allowed Allen to explore a more personal and memoir-esque musical style, reminiscent of post-hardcore troubadours like Ted Leo and Bob Mould. Ryan is also involved in the band Big Life, a group of seasoned local musicians creating melodic hardcore music inspired by Discord Records' Revolution Summer era. Big Life Sound draws influence from bands like Dag Nasty and Fugazi. But wait, there's more. Ryan is also involved in the band Speed Circuit and a side project called Bracken with friend Kathleen Bracken. Ryan Allen's career illustrates a dedication to evolving and experimenting within the realm of music, making him a distinctive and respected figure in Detroit's rich musical landscape. We can now add writer to the list of things Ryan Allen excels at. In the fall-winter edition of Remember the Lightning, a Guitar Pop Journal, Volume 2, Alan penned the piece, The Ties That Bind Hardcore Punk and Power Pop. The piece draws a direct line from The Beatles to Black Flag. After running a half marathon, Ryan stopped by Thunderlove Studio recently to chat with Keith about the article and the whole of his music career. Here is their conversation. It's just the normal noises in here. <laughs> There's there's nothing that get there's nothing that gets uh, clicks these days than a beef. Ugh, I, I yes, I know, I know, I hate that shit. But we're not here to talk about that. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Thank you for having me. You are a songwriter, musician, writer. Tell us, tell tell our listening audience a little bit about Ryan Allen. Well, I mean, I grew up in a musical family. My dad's a musician, you know, so I uh, was, you know, pretty turned on to music at a young age and, uh, you know, had access to instruments at, at a young age as well. I didn't, you know, I wouldn't ha like say that I was like the child prodigy playing, you know, 
Mozart at six years old or anything like that. But, you know, my dad had bands when I was a kid and, you know, I'd hear them practice and see them play, you know, occasionally. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was like a very normal thing for me to, to grow up around instruments and, and be exposed to music, you know? Um, and, and I would say, you know, around, 1990, 1991, 1992, when I was, you know, 11, 12, 12 years old, you know, I really got uh, super into music. You know, I was, uh, you know, the right age for, for Nirvana to kind of just like bowl me over and, you know, open the doors to, you know, all that kind of like early Seattle stuff. And, and then, you know, it just kind of went from there, right? Like you read one book about Nirvana and they, tell you pretty much who to listen to in the book, you know? And so mm -hmm. I just was like, all right, cool. Uh, I should probably buy Sonic Youth CD and a Dinosaur Jr. CD and a Sebado CD. And then, you know, as you kind of continue on, you find old music and new music. And yeah, so I've just been like a very like avid, rabid consumer of music for 35 years or something, I guess. And, uh, yeah. So, so, but probably around the same time I picked up a guitar and started learning songs and, you know, trying to figure out how to play. And my dad played, so he'd show me chords and, you know, teach me how to play, you know, like for, I think the first like riff I ever learned was uh shine by collective soul. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, I learned, you know, early Pearl jam songs and whatever. So, um, eventually you know that happens and you start saying like i could probably put, put three chords together and write a, my own song so as soon as i did that you know like the the all bets are off and i just fell in love with songwriting so um you know that's kind of been my main focus and passion since you know probably i was like 12 or 13 years old was trying to just write music um so yeah, I mean that's that's like a very like somewhat long-winded but still simplified version of of the story and and yeah, so now I play my main band is called Extra Arms and it's a it's like a energetic power pop band. I was in a band called Thunderbirds are now that was kind of like the band that I got to like, you know, tour and see the world and, you know, get some like, you know, nice coverage and press in certain magazines and blogs and things like that in my twenties, I guess, you know, and then, uh, 
that kind of fizzled out, you know, as uh, is hard to <laughs> sustain, you know, on the road and things like that. But I never stopped, you know, writing songs, doing bands and things like that. So yeah, that's a little snapshot of me. That's your little uh, abandoned albums wiki entry. Haven't you bothered me enough, you big banana head? Afraid not, miss. What is the first song you remember liking? Wow, gosh. For me, I mean, you could ask me on any given day, but what's coming to my mind right now would be um, Elton John, Crocodile Rock. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, fun, you know, weird. Yeah. What is What the fuck does Crocodile Rock mean? I'm sure as a kid, you're, you're just like, what? <laughs> Uh, I feel like here comes the sun maybe, uh, mm-hmm. because my dad was a big Beatles fan. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just something so like ner- almost, it's not a nursery rhyme, but it feels like it's it almost feels like a, it's written for a child to appreciate in a way, you know, it's just like, here comes the sun, man. You know, like it's just so simple and like inviting and, positive you know like it it just feels like hopeful and i think i even as a kid i sort of like got that about that song you know listening to you say that now and i had never ever considered it from that perspective and you were i am in complete agreement with you well yeah thanks i mean yeah it's it's like a kid's kid's music you know like it's just so simple and and pretty and you know that the guitar line feels almost like uh you know it's like when you're of a certain age and you hear things like, I don't know, like puff the magic dragon or something like there. It's not too far removed from that. You know, you're like, Oh, yeah. this is like definitely a song for a kid. Cause it's about a dragon, you know, but here comes the sun. It, it, it is in that same folky kind of like, absolutely. Uh, 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 yeah. It just, it, it, it just drew me right in. And um, so, yeah. I think that, I mean, I could be wrong. It could have been, it could be like jump by crisscross for all I remember. In your essay from scream to sing in the most recent copy of remember the lightning, a power pop journal, you draw a direct line from hardcore to power pop. I try. <laughs> you did. A, you did a really effective job. I thought you did a good job. My question is, could we make the same direct line from the Beatles to Black Flag? I think so. Uh, I, I, I've been known to say that the Beatles are the first punk band. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, you listen to it and, and early Beatles, you know, it's just, it's raw, right? Like, I mean, if Chuck Berry is an influence on punk and Chuck Berry is an influence on the Beatles, then the Beatles are certainly a, well, they're a band first of all. And, you know, there's, there's the youthful kind of abandonment thing going on. You know, John's vocals were, you know, uh, not tame whatsoever. You know, I mean, he could sing very like beautifully if he wanted to, but he's his, you know, the, the sort of like gravel in his voice, you know, that, that kind of like raspiness that he had, you know, there's a, there's a through line from John to, john lydon to you know uh to um uh fuck billy from green day you know i mean obviously kurt cobain you know um so yeah i mean i i don't think that there's really 
much different, uh, you know, aside, I mean, the Beatles were a band in this, you know, it's 1977 or 78, you know, with the same kind of like approach, they might've sounded closer to the Ramones than, you know, whatever, like psychedelic, you know, and I, and I, I think too, like punk to me is like more of an approach than a sound, you know? And I think with the Beatles, they, they did whatever they wanted to do. You know, they were, they were totally like, unshackled you know they were they were a hundred percent uh willing to like you know take risks and you know jump from genre to genre and do things that were unprecedented you know and 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 that to me is punk as well you know like so yeah i mean it's all in there you know the formula for what came after comes before it's just tweak, tweaked and, you know, uh, seen through different eyes and different experiences, you know? Yeah, for sure. I never, I, uh, and, and I think there's mel there's melody to black flag songs too, you know, like it isn't your traditional kind of melodies, but rise above, you know, for example, is as catchy to me as hold my hand. It's just in a different way, you know? Or I want to hold your hand, <laughs> hold my hand. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Huh. I'd never thought of it like that. Uh, uh, that's interesting. In your article, you lean heavy into not heavy, but you you highlight one of my favorite bands, The Replacements, mm -hmm. um, as well as Husker Du. Do you think there's a regionality to hardcore? Mm -hmm. And do you think, as a Midwesterner in Detroit, you were more exposed to Obviously, you were more exposed to that sort of punk rock, hardcore, however we want to label it. But were you also exposed to other areas of the country? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely hardcore especially has a regionality to the sound somewhat. Um, you know, the L.A. hardcore scene with Black Flag kind of being the, you know, the main focus. But even like Minute meat puppets, you know, um, who are from Arizona, but, you know, it's kind of like out there in the West. Um, and, and all three completely different sounding bands for sure. Dead Kennedys, mm -hmm. you know, um, but there was kind of this like surfer guy, kind of, you know, or just like, it's just like a different vibe, you know, whereas like the New York hardcore scene was way more tough, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and violent, you know, um, to an extent and, and way more, you know, um, kind of like intimidating, you know, intimidation, Cro-Mags and, you know, 25 to life later on and, and things like that. So, um, you know, so obviously there's similarities and, and I, I don't think you get a Cro-Mags without a black flag, but um, definitely like Madball and these types of bands from New York were, were like going to kick your fucking ass, you know? <laughs> and then the, D, then the DC bands were way more sort of like art- kind of art artistic, I suppose, you know, they, they still had um, aggression and, and, and things like that. But like, there was also like some humor, like if you listen to early minor threat stuff, like the songs are pretty funny, you know, cause they're just sort of like, they were kids, you know, they were so young when they were yeah. in that band. Um, but like, that's kind of my favorite sort of hardcore is the DC stuff. Cause it's, you know, um, 
I don't know. There was, there was a little more inclusivity kind of going on with it. Number one. And then I think those guys were all into a lot of different kinds of music, um, you know, and obviously as like they got older and their bands, you know, uh, new bands post like minor threat and rights of spring evolved, you know, they did more like experimental stuff. I mean, Fugazi is a great example of that. Um, and then, you know, there's the Detroit hardcore scene, which, uh, is a kind of its own thing too. Uh, Cleveland kind of as well, where it's like more working class heart, you know, rust belty kind of thing where, where like negative approach, for example, where, you know, um, they would play with all of those bands, you know, and they could play with all those bands, but there was something about their stuff that was like, you know, very, I think emblematic of, you know, this, the city of Detroit, which is known for being kind of, you know, rough around the edges uh, for sure. And, and especially, especially when they were active uh, the first time around, you know, like it was a scary place. And so, yeah they were kind of a scary band, you know? I mean, John Brandon is like a very uh, intimidating and like really like intense front man, you know? So I do think where, where the music comes from informs the sound and informs the scene growing up in Detroit. Uh, one thing, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was a little too young to, to see any of that stuff firsthand, you know? Um, so I didn't see negative approach in 1988 cause I was eight years old, but, uh, as I got a little bit older and, uh, got, you know, into high school, um, a lot of music that I really started getting into, uh, was from Canada because, um, uh, our alternative rock radio station in Detroit was actually located in Canada, uh, in Windsor, which is just right across the Detroit river. Um, yeah. you know, you can, I mean, I could get there in like a half an hour from my parents' house when I was a teenager. Um, wow. and, uh, yeah, I actually ran there this morning cause the, the half marathon that I ran, <laughs> uh, run, goes, it's the only international ha- half and full marathon in existence. You run from Detroit over to Canada and then back again. It's kind of cool. But anyways, so a lot of bands, that probably I probably would not have heard uh, if I grew up in Tampa Bay, Florida or something I heard because of the radio station, uh, just the regular alternative rock station that would play Weezer and Foo Fighters and whatever would also play um, this band called Sloan, who I really love Um, a band called Thrush Hermit, Super Friends. Um, Yeah. Just like a bunch of like great, Eric's trip, another great band uh, that was on sub pop back in the nineties. So yeah, in the nineties, a lot of the alternative and like indie rock that I liked was from Canada. And I, and I would say, yeah, the proximity to, you know, the country certainly helped me find out about those bands and all those bands are very pop oriented. So like, that was like something that was influencing my songwriting as a teenager and still does to this day. Sure. Were you a tragically hip fan at all? I would say no, um, only because I thought at the time, I guess, that they were kind of corny. But they would play yeah. like End of a Century, for example, which is like such a great song. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. play that on the on the radio station. They play a lot of that stuff. Um, and I liked it. You know, I never saw them. I never bought any of their records. Now mm-hmm. I think I appreciate it way more. 
um, yeah. than I did uh, probably as a kid. But yeah, they kind of just seemed like they were like, I mean, they were obviously like super mainstream, you know, in Canada, you know. Um, and yeah. so maybe at the time I was like, oh, like they're too popular. So I can't like them, <laughs> you know, sure. that, that, that makes sense. That kind of dumb thing. But I hope I answered your question. I, I feel like I did. You did. Um, I never understood why they couldn't break here in the States, but, and I think after a while they're just like, fine, fuck it. We'll just be well, big yeah. in Canada. Why, why, why try, you know? And I, I just, well, cause I think too, like there's two things. I actually think I have an answer. One is that they're way too literate and, yes. and you know, Americans don't like that. <laughs> really. No. Um, and number two, uh, they're um, too Canadian. Well, you hear a band too, like uh, like the National, who I think mm-hmm. totally sounds like to me. There's a di- direct lineage between the hip and what they do, you know. Um, yeah. So maybe it was just like you know a little before it's time for Americans to get into. But yeah, they. I. I it's funny. I was uh, traveling for work maybe like six years ago, and I had to go to Burlington, Ontario, which. You know, growing up in Detroit and being close to Toronto, I would go to Canada quite out quite a bit. Um, but I went on this work trip and we stayed in this um, hotel, and there was just like framed photos of the tragically hip everywhere, like framed concert photos, just like tragically hip, uh, Sky Dome, two thousand one. You know, it's just like yeah. it's just like in a hotel, no context. It wasn't like it wasn't like uh you know they stayed here or where you know no. it wasn't any of that it was just like our you know the godfathers of canadian rock should you know they they've earned their right to have a framed photo in the lobby of this hotel when you're stuck in a maze when you're a rat in a cage when all you do is complain if you're hit by a train, are you feeling
when we talk about being literate, with all due respect to both genres, be it hardcore or power pop, I wouldn't say they're literate as I consider literate. The focus of those two genres, at least lyrically, would be brevity, right? Yeah. Am I in the I'm in the ballpark there? Yeah, I think like I think you're I think you're onto something for sure. I think what in terms of hardcore, I I would say instead of literate, I would call a lot of the best hardcore informed, you know, in terms of like uh you know, being informed on uh what's happening politically, you know, at the time of whatever, you know, record, you know, quintessential hardcore record would have been, you know, uh, out in 1985 or whatever. Uh, but figuring out a way to take what can be complicated things, you know, to, for people to wrap their heads around, you know, racism, you know, or, Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, just like government, you know, like, um, in ineptitude, you know, or whatever you want to say, and then figuring out how to sort of rally against it in a very straightforward way that people can rally around, you know, um, and, and, and shout along to, and, 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 you know, I think, uh, I'm, I'm all for, you know, um, clever writing and intelligent, you know, ways of, of, you know, communicating whatever, the, you know, the subject matter of the song might be, but I think as much as I like that, I also like really straightforward, really just plain spoken. This is what the song is about, man. Like I'm going to tell you right now, you know, like straight edge. It's about not drinking, (laughs) you know, like the end. Uh, And, you know, power pop, sometimes I have to like hesitate because I can really get going on this. I think there's some really well done, smart power pop lyrics. There's some really fucking abysmal, embarrassing, like how is a adult singing this kind of shit? You know, that like I, you you know, I'm going to ask you for an example. You know, I would use I would say Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne is a good example of it. I just think that song sucks and I think okay. it's corny and lame. I think that they are good and I think mm-hmm. their first record is great. But okay. just like joke music, you know, is just like not my thing. I like funny music that's funny with kind of an edge to it, like the Smiths, you know, or something like Morrissey's okay early lyrics are, are hilarious to me, you know, like if a two ton bus kills the both of us or crashes into us rather to die by your side, it's such a heavenly way to die. Like that's like a hilarious line, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. You know, I just think like back to the Beatles, you know, I think at, at the time, you know, when like, I want to hold your hand came out, for example, or she loves, uh, she loves me came out, you know, like, those are pretty like on the nose, straightforward, you know, lyrics about kind of young puppy love, you know, like whatever. I'm totally fine with that. Those guys were 23 years old when they wrote that song or something. You know what I mean? 
it's a lot different when you hear like the whatever modern equivalent of that might be sung by like a 50 year old it's like i think it's just like i don't know i would be embarrassed if i had written so- something like that that was I don't know. Like, I'm not like much one for like, I'm going to get in the head of a teenage boy, but I'm like 55, you know, like that to me is like, not what I, what I like or what I want to do, you know? So yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, like there is literacy in power pop, you know, I think that like um, John Auer and Ken Stringfellow from the posies write really great lyrics. Obviously Paul Westerberg, while you may not like, necessarily categorize the replacements as power pop like they certainly inform power pop you know um and clearly he is like a phenomenal lyricist i think chris murphy from sloan is a really incredible lyricist um yeah man i mean i could i'm like looking at my records which you can't see because they're behind the screen here (laughs) to try to figure out who else i want to name drop but you get my point right like it's they're out there it's just you know i think it's really easy to write and i and you know i don't want to negate myself like like i said i love simple and straightforward lyrics but i think Mm -hmm. like also i don't know when i sit down to write lyrics i'm i'm trying to write as a 43 year old person you know from a 43 year old person's perspective about what it's like to be a 43 year old person living life you know or however old I am when I'm writing, I suppose. But yeah, I'll, I'll stop because I can tend to ramble. But I think there's some real merit to, again, the word brevity, but the old writer's credo, why say in 10 words what you can say in five? Mm-hmm. You can be just as literate and powerful with five words as you can with 10 words. Sure, for sure. And I think that applies to song lyrics as well. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I mean, uh What's that Queens of the Stone Age song? That's like nicotine, Valium. Like I forget that they're just like naming drugs. Oh gosh, uh, don't know. But it's just it's like it's the song fucking rules, and they're just there's like six words in the whole song. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's cool. I don't need to be on that list, you idiot, you piece of dirt. Who are you? I step on you. I clean you off of my shoes at night. I step on you, and then I throw away the shoe. And that shoe that I just threw away, that's worth more than your worthless life, mister. And I'm pissed because I loved that shoe. You dirt. The New York Times does a podcast called The Daily, mm-hmm. right? Today's Sunday read is is called, Is Manskin... I'm saying it wrong. Is Manskin the last rock band? The Italian group has become a global sensation by giving Gen Z a taste of a genre that might have already taken its final breath. The writer's name is Dan Brooks, and he mentions something about, we're close enough in age, you're a Gen Xer, you straddle the fence, but you're a Gen Xer. Um, We are conceivably the last uh, generation to be able to differentiate genres and even subgenres, Like he makes the analogy, which I thought was fair. Jazz, when I was a kid growing up, was just jazz. I couldn't differentiate different types of subgenres of jazz or right, anything like right, that. Right. However, 
you know, if you wanted to talk about the difference between REO Speedwagon and REM and Bruce Springsteen and some of these other different genre or sub sub genres of rock and roll, I certainly could. His main point was that kids, kids today, it sounds like a Clint Eastwood get off my lawn comment, but kids today, they're just exposed to everything. They don't have that, that nuance. And in particular with both hardcore and power pop, it's those nuances and subgenres to some extent that, that feed a lot of the songs. Am I making sense? Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that person's assessment though. I, I think the genre is still very much a part of the conversation. Um, especially with like Spotify and streaming culture, because mm-hmm. you can dial up a, you know, I mean, sometimes it's more mood than genre, you know, but like, I don't think that there's that much of a difference between the two, you know, like I was at a work retreat like last couple weeks ago and, and like, they were like, Oh, we want to listen to like some music while we we're like having our meetings. So they like put on like indie pop playlist, whatever from Spotify. And it played, I mean, I don't even know what it was, or maybe it was like alternative rock playlist, you know, and what it was, what it was labeling as alternative rock or indie rock or whatever it was, was like not the alternative or indie rock of, in my mind, you know, like, uh, but it certainly, there was a continuity between a lot of the music, you know, it just wasn't what I would have defined. Yeah. You know, alternative rock or indie rock as like, to me, indie rock is, pavement in sonic youth and Mm -hmm. you know guided by voices uh alternative rock is you know foo fighters and green day but like a there's new bands so i suppose they they just do whatever new bands or artists kind of rise to the top you know kind of take the slot of the old bands that used to be relevant and nobody cares about anymore but i do think that kids like, I don't think my son, who's 12, uh, knows, like, he knows the difference between rock and rap. But I don't know if he's got the subgenres thing down yet, you know? But I do think it exists. And and I don't know, I think you were trying to kind of, like, come back to, like, the hardcore thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's subgenres of, of all that shit, of course. Yes, um, there is. Emo, post-hardcore, math rock, screamo. screamo whatever it's like yeah, yeah. nonstop right crab core i think that's one uh, oh what, 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 what's crab core i think it's uh it's like really terrible like over processed metal where like uh the 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 band will do like a weird like synchronized like dance where they kind of look like crabs I don't know. They like get really low and crouched. It's really weird. Uh, I, I feel like it's probably not as relevant uh, right now. I was going to say that the, the title of that podcast to me is just so clickbaity. It like annoys me, you know, cause like how many, you know, the black keys are the only rock band that matters. The hives release a new record. The hives are the only rock band, you know, it's like, okay, man, like you just, you just want people to like, you know, listen to your podcast or click your, the article. Like, 
I'm with you. I don't think rock is dead at all. And I think it will never die. It just goes into hibernation for a while. Yeah, in and out of fashion, for sure. Lost my wife, lost my house, lost my grandma too. I got punched in the mouth, but what are you gonna do? Fuck last year. Fuck last year. Fuck last year. I think you did a really great job of connecting hardcore to power pop. Thank you. In the article. I want to, I want to push back a little bit about how you end it. You, you end it by saying both hardcore and power pop share one thing in common. It's supposed to be fun and not some kind of high art. Now here's my issue with that. Art is such a subjective phrase, right? What, what, what the fuck is it? You know, it's different for me, how I might, let me ask you this. Let me just start. How are we shaping or defining high art? Well, I think it's almost kind of like a candy versus like a, you know, five-star chef making you a meal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Both are satisfying, right? Like both can, you know, uh, fill you up and make you feel uh, like you had a great experience, you know, eating that, whatever it was. Um, but the, I think with hardcore and power pop, I think the idea is to like give you that instant satisfaction of like, here's a catchy chorus, or this is aggressive, you know? And there's an instant gratification to both genres in a way, not, not to say all bands and all, you know, not all power pop bands and not all hardcore bands fit into this categorization, right? But I do think that like, some of the more, you know, I guess like regarded stuff gives you that like immediate feeling where, you know, you're in or you're out pretty much within the first bite or listen, you know, kind of like a candy bar. Like you don't have to eat the candy bar to the end to know if you're going to like it or not. You know what I mean? Like you take a bite and you're like, I like this candy or I don't. But with a five-star meal, you know, or if I, you know, some meal made by a chef who's, you know, schooled in, in, you know, culinary, you know, arts or whatever, like 
there's there's layers to it. You know, you're taking a bite. Oh, I get this note here. Let me take another bite. Oh, now I'm getting something different, you know? And I think you could make the argument that this description also works for power pop and hardcore if you just reverse yeah, it. No. Um, but that's kind of where I think, I guess, like I was going with it is just that it's more like, it doesn't make it any less like um, essential, you know? Uh, however, you know, I mean, I think that again, like if we're talking about like the, I, to me, some of my favorite music, most of my favorite music doesn't sound super labored over, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it sound it seems like it just kind of like materialized in the way that it is, even if it was labored over, it doesn't sound like it, Yeah, you know? And I think, I think that's kind of where I was coming from. Thank you for the explanation. And that makes a lot more sense. You know, yeah. the, the analogy made between let, let's say a Snickers bar and, you know, a five-star Michelin meal. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah. Cause they're both fucking valid, you know, well, I and mean, they're both delicious. You could find a bird's feather on the ground, duct tape it to a canvas and put it up in, on a wall and say, well, this is art, right? <laughs> like you're, you're totally right. Just ask Yoko Ono. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so you're totally right. in and, and that respect, you know, I, I, I a hundred percent agree that like art is subjective, high, low, you know, some people put like, uh, I don't know, um, evil dead, for example, yeah. on like the same pedestal as, you know, uh, I don't know, like the Godfather, I was going to say like a Coen brothers movie or something like that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, it doesn't make. Like I think Step Brothers is like the most fucking hilarious movie I've ever seen, but I also appreciate, you know, um, film that is much more, you know, meticulously constructed. So there's room for it all. So in addition to being a writer, you are in a band. How many bands are you in? <laughs> well, uh, right now I play in three bands. Um, uh, like I said earlier, Extra Arms is kind of like my main band where I'm the songwriter, singer, <clears throat> you know, kind of like <clears throat> uh, de facto lead dude. But uh, there's three other guys in the band, Ryan Marshall on bass, um, Jordan Wright on guitar, and Daniel Stover on drums. And um, we just finished uh, tracking uh, our fourth record, actually. So... Um, we're in the mixing phase now and, and that'll come out next year. And I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, and then I'm in a band called big life. And in that band, I play guitar and I sing a little bit, but it's, um, it's, it's more in that like eighties discord hardcore kind of sound. So like Dag nasty, uh, gray matter, minor threat, um, you know, early Husker do. And, uh, mm-hmm. It's a little more aggressive, you know, um, and that's me with uh, Dan Nixon on vocals, um, Jordan Von Zinda on drums, and uh, uh, Sean Guvro on bass.
in two of my bands, there's a person named Dan and two of my bands, there's a person named Jordan and, <laughs> and there's two Ryan's and extra arms. So it's kind of funny where wow. the same names are in both my bands. And whenever I talk about that, my girlfriend's like, which one are you talking about? <laughs> I can't just say Dan or Jordan. I have to like a uh, big life Jordan. Uh, but anyway, so that's been fun. And we just started playing together last December and we put out uh, an eight song EP uh, this year and uh, it turned out really cool. Like it was like totally unplanned. Like nobody in the band knew each other. Like I knew everybody and I kind of like brought us together, but um, it was really just like an experiment that, that turned out way better than I think anybody in the band thought. Um, So, so that's kind of a thing. And then uh, I just started playing with this band called speed circuit and uh, I'm playing drums in that band. And it's my buddy, John Nelson, who uh, I've been in some bands with in the past. He made a record over the pandemic and just wanted to like get some people together to play it. So um, I don't play on the recording. Actually, I am on uh, a couple of songs on the recording. I, sh- I should correct myself there. Um, and then uh, he got, he asked me to play drums. And so I'm playing drums and our friend Brent Moser is playing bass. So, you know, three bands, pretty busy. I'm a dad. Um, so, you know, uh, it can be challenging to make time for it all, but, you know, sort of figuring it out. And, um, the next gig that I'm playing, actually all three bands are playing together. Um, it's, it's my birthday. So I thought it would be funny and, uh, slightly obnoxious, but mostly funny to see if I could play <laughs> three times in a row. So, uh, that's what we're going to try to do. So it'll, it should be, it should be fun. Who's headlining? Uh, extra arm says, okay, good. Yeah. okay. So, uh, yeah, so it's been fun though. You know, like I feel like, you know, like everyone, you know, who was lucky enough to, you know, survive the pandemic, uh, I, you know, like missed kind of like a couple years of, of being able to play live, like every, all bands pretty much did. And I don't know, more, more than that, I feel like in the last handful of years, really, like, I feel like I sort of didn't put as much value on friendships as I, um, did in my, like my earlier, you know, kind of pre-kid life, I guess. And I really wanted to get back to, you know, having friends, like people I could hang out with and rely on and make, you know, music with or whatever, you know, like I just, I felt like I kind of, you know, not like purposefully, but just like out of cir- circumstance with the pandemic, of course, and just everybody isolating for a while. And then, um, I don't know, just like work and whatever, like just kind of like, and, and like I said, I stopped drinking. So I don't yeah. like go out to the bar and like hang with people really, but starting these bands and playing these bands and, and everybody in the bands, they're all, we're all like friends with each other. And, the, and even guys in, in, like the guitar player in extra arms is in a band with the drummer of big life. You know what I mean? And they're like really old friends. So that's been kind of cool too. Like we kind of had this like little club or something of people. So, so it's, it's worth it to me to like, you know, try to figure out like, how am I going to make time for all this? Because I get to spend time with my friends, you know, which has been really great for me. Um, 
So musically very, you know, fruitful and, and, and satisfying, but also just like on a relationship level, it's, it's been really great to like have buddies again. (laughs) Sorry. Maybe that sounds depressing, but, uh, No, not at all. No, I think it's something that I've learned doing this. The more, the more musicians and artists that I've spoken with that, that whole sense of community and how much it matters in the artistic world, you know? Well, especially as you get older too, man, like, you know, it's, it's hard to get people out to shows right now, like for, for like people my age, you know, like who have kids and, and things like that, you know, it's like they're, they're, you know, they like ration up their like, uh, ability to go out, you know? So if it's like, you know, I got tickets to see whoever, you know, uh, that probably means that they're, they're cashing in their one night out a month to go see, you know, dinosaur junior or something. And so your little show that you're playing at the dingy bar, you know, down the street, they're like, I'll try to catch it another time, you know, cause I already went out this month and I got to wake up early because my kids got a soccer game at eight o'clock in the morning or something, you know? So, so it can be challenging, but like, I, I think, yeah, you're, you're definitely right with the community. Um, you know, like it's what kind of helps keep you going sometimes, you know? So I feel lucky, you know, that like I've been able to surround myself with musicians who are great musicians, but also like, also like really good dudes, you know, like good people. So that's, that's a bonus. That's got to be a tremendous bonus to not be surrounded by assholes. Yeah. And I mean, I both had those experiences, right? I have, and I've also been the asshole. So, (laughs) you know, like, uh, I can't sit here and pretend like. God knows I have, I I mean, not proud of it, but I can own it. Hey, if you're not, I feel like if you're a musician, you're probably got, you got to be a little bit of an asshole here and there, you know? There's got to be something about you. <laughs> You're like, I really need. I'm not a musician, so what's my excuse? Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. No, I think we're all entitled to to let our asshole sure. flag fly here and there. It's funny you mentioned about uh, parents cashing in their chips. I don't have children. I have a dog and a cat, and I'm not married. And it still takes a lot to get me to go out. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, it's just it's. And especially, you know, post COVID, mm-hmm. it's hard. You know, um, yeah, it's not that I'm afraid of catching it. It's just I don't want to. I don't want to increase the odds because it's still kicking around. Oh, out there. for sure, dude. I mean, we played. I played on Friday with Big Life this past week, and I played on Tuesday with Extra Arms, and you know, both shows. You know, you just, it, if you don't think about it at least once, you're you know, just in denial, I guess, but you know, the bands that we played with on Tuesday, they all were in masks, you know, like still like they were on, on tour. We played with, uh, Chris Farron and Mo Troper. Okay, I, I yeah. know Mo's been on your show. Um, yep. but you know, they, they all were masked up, you know, when they weren't on stage and, you know, for a small bands, like, like Mo's band, like if one of them gets COVID and they have to go home, the whole tour is totally off they're fucked financially mm-hmm. and yep. they can't afford to have that happen. So I respect yeah. it, you know, a ton. For sure. For sure. Well, again, like I said, I love the article. Thank you. We are winding up pluggables. What kind of pluggables you got? You're on the Instagram. Yep. Um, you can follow extra arms on Instagram. It's just extra arms. 
at extra arms, I guess. Uh, you can follow Big Life on Instagram. It's at Big Life HC. And then Speed Circuit is also on Instagram at Speed Circuit Band, I think it is. And then um, okay. extra arms uh, bandcamp.com, Big Life HC.bandcamp.com, and then Speed Circuit. I think it's just Speed Circuit. Bandcamp.com. We will link to all of those in the show notes section. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. Check out all that stuff. And like I said, extra arms has a new record that's in the mixing phase. Big life's probably going to track some new tunes soon. Speed circuits, maybe going to do, I, you know, more music down the pike. And then actually I just released something. Um, last Bandcamp Friday. Oh, really? Okay. It's, a project that I did over the pandemic with my friend Kate, where I kind of wrote the songs, sent it to her. She wrote the lyrics, the melodies, you know, all that stuff. And it's called Bracken, which is her last name. So if you go to Bracken, the band dot bandcamp.com, there's a four song EP that you can listen to. That's uh, a little different than what I'm sort of like known for, I guess. it was like something that we worked on during the pandemic. And then we kind of were thinking we would go and like record for real. We just were doing like home recording demo kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, the pandemic just kept going and she lives uh, a couple hours North of me. So we're, you know, we're far enough apart where we can't just like, you know, hang out really. So our initial thought was we were going to like redo the songs and, and more of a studio we never did. And then we just kind of forgot about them. And then last week I was like, we should release these as is, you know? And so that's up there too. And yeah, I'm proud of that. And we're going to try to do some more stuff too. So not a band per se, but a project that, um, yeah, it's been pretty fun to, to finally get out there as well. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Uh, sharing the stories. Great article. Great piece. Love it. And good job connecting hardcore to power pop, which is, I don't think something that folks would connect for sure, man. I appreciate all the kind words and and for having me on. All right, man. We'll let you go get some sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Thank you. I'm going to get stoned and eat a donut and then I'll go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably get stoned and just sit on the couch and watch TV for a little bit. (laughs) Hey man, to each their own. All right, man. Have a good night. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. 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 A big thank you to Ryan for finding the energy to join us for a chat. Extra special thanks goes out to S.W. Lorden for making it happen. 
please check out the show notes for links to all of Ryan's work, as well as to Remember the Lightning, a guitar pop journal volume two. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. This episode of Abandoned Albums was written and produced by Keith R. Higgins. The show was recorded at Thunder Love Studios, where it was engineered by... Daphne Miller. With help from... John Thomas. Abandoned Albums was edited by Mike Hunt. The songs you heard during this podcast were I Don't Want to Die, Fun Guy, Feeling All Right, and FLY by Extra Arms. You also heard Personal Best by Big Life, and we finished the episode with The Bird and Everything Else by Bracken. You will find links to all of these artists' work in the show notes section. Please remember to support independent artists. Original music by Mike Pellegrino. Our theme song is All I Want by Pete Belasco. In the opening of the show, the songs you heard were Livin' in a Dream by Archangels, Think Too Hard by Sid Straw, and Stronger Than Love by James Carr. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. It really does help. Thanks for listening. Grazie. Daily Leaf. Rob Janicki. Mike Pellegrino. Therina Bella. Ronnie Barnett, S.W. Loudon, Michael Janicki, Peyton Janicki, and our executive producer. This is Abandoned Albums receives funding from Kramerica Industries. Protect what you value. Kramerica Industries, made in America by Americans, mostly, and headquartered in America. Kramerica.com. <laughs> And now, until we meet again next time, I remain as always obediently yours. Abandoned Albums is a production of Paw Print Media. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.